Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bolton eBikes podcast, a place where you can learn all about electric bicycles, parts, pieces, components, brands, whatever you want to learn about eBikes. I hope it's something that I can cover right here. So if that's something you want to know about, you are in the right place. Now, for those that don't know, there is something special I've been doing with these podcasts so you can get early access to them. I will get back to that in just a moment. Once again, my name is Kyle Chidock. I'm the owner of Bolton E-Bikes, and you are listening to the Bolton E-Bikes podcast. So to start off, I mentioned that I've been doing something special. So if you've been listening to the podcast for a while and you're listening, whether it's on your iPhone, your Android device, in your car, wherever it is, Typically, you are listening to a recording, but if you want to listen to these podcasts live, there actually is a way to do that. I'm not going to guarantee that every episode will be available live, but I am trying to do as many as possible. And in fact, there are people listening right now, this very moment as I'm recording on YouTube. So they're not only listening to the podcast, but they are seeing what's happening here in my studio office area. So we have a couple of people. We have John. We have uh, somebody going by the username Cynical Zombie on with us live right now. Now, it's a very select group because it's only available to people who are on the YouTube membership, and they are what we call research technicians. Those are the people that are getting the most information, the most advanced notice, if you will, on new products. So If this is something you are interested in, you want to know what's up and coming, some of the behind the scenes stuff, uh, if you want to listen to these podcast episodes before they come out to the general public, before we announce new things, then you can head over to YouTube. You click that join button right underneath any of the videos, and that's something you can get access to. But back to the episode, what do I want to talk about today? And that would be mid-drive motors, but not just how do they compare to hub motors? Is it better? Is it worse? I've done that before. Other people online have done that before. But today I want to talk about how to use a mid-drive motor. Basically, as I've been riding to and from work, I've talked about this a few times. It's right on the top of my mind because what I'm doing, I'm riding up the steep long hill, 12 miles of just basically uphill the whole way on the other end. Of course, it's all downhill and it's a ton of fun. But on the uphill, that's where it's critical to know how to use a proper technique, I would say, for a mid-drive motor. If you can ride a bicycle, odds are you can hop on any e-bike and you can ride it. But I feel like you can get more out of it and you can have a better experience if you know how to best use it. Here's what I'm going to talk about. First, obviously, there's the gearing. That's one thing that a mid-drive motor has that other hub motor type e-bikes also have. But just for your own pedaling, it's not affecting the motor at all. And we also have something called a shift sensor, and that is something that hub motors do not have and they don't need. There is also a torque sensor or a cadence sensor, depending on what brand or model of motor you have. And how those interact with a mid-drive is actually very important. There's some key things you can do to make those smooth, perfect, buttery shifts, even when you're going uphill with full power. It can be done. If you are riding your mid-drive bike and you shift through the gears uphill and you hear like this clunk with your chain going from one gear to the next, that's not right. (laughs) It doesn't have to be that way. 
it can be better. We also have a brake sensor, which cuts off power to the motor. And, and then, of course, there's some other little things like the pedal assist level that you can adjust while you're riding. But those are the key things I want to cover, how to properly use those, once again, to get not only the best performance out of your mid-drive bike, but get the most longevity and have the most fun. At the end of the day, it's all about having fun. And if your bike is lasting a long time, the battery's lasting, the parts aren't wearing down, then probably you're going to have more fun than everybody else. So first, we'll talk about the easy one, the gearing. I think that's the easy one because I think most people know how the gearing works. Basically, you have a set of gears on your bike. If you're going up a hill, you need to shift into a low gear, which is not physically the lowest spot on the bike, but it is the lowest gear ratio, so you get the most torque. It's also going to have the least speed on the top end if you're in the lowest gear. Same as if you were in a car with a manual transmission. Obviously, an automatic transmission is doing the same thing. You're just not thinking about it. And if you're lucky enough to drive an electric car, well, they usually only have one speed and you don't have to think about it at all. <laughs> E-bikes aren't, uh, aren't quite that way. They're a little bit different because uh, you're trying to squeeze out a little more power, if you will, compared to the amount of weight you're hauling. I mean, think about it. You got this little tiny bike that weighs like 60, 70, 80 pounds moving a person. And what happens in a car? Yeah, that thing weighs several thousand pounds, has way more power, and it's usually only carrying one person as well. But gearing, very simple. You're coming up to a hill, and I guess I should cover this part of it. When is the right time to shift when you get to a hill? Is it after you go up the hill slightly and you start slowing down? Is it before you get to the hill? Well, in my opinion, there's like this sweet spot. So it's not before you get to the hill, because if you shift too soon, then you start slowing down and losing some of your speed. But if you shift too late, as you're going up the hill already, you've already lost some of your speed. Now you're in too high of a gear. Now the motor's working harder. It's not as efficient. So just before you start to slow down, you want to shift gears. And ideally, you did at a time where basically the motor just doesn't even notice the difference. In other words, you're pulling the same wattage on the flat stretch right before the hill as you are going up the hill. Just a smooth, seamless transition. And that's obviously hard to do, but that's the goal. So here's a little tip on something you can use to make sure you're in the best gear when you're going up a hill. Because I have a feeling that most people are going up a hill in a mid-drive bike. They're in a middle gear somewhere and they're like, oh, well, I got plenty of power. I'm going up the hill. This gear must be fine. But there's a really, really simple way to just absolutely maximize the amount of power and performance you can get out of it. And typically, if you do this technique, the motor's going to be much happier too. If the motor's happier, then it's operating at a better efficiency. So you're actually running at a higher efficiency, which means you're going to get more range. So there's a reason for doing this. If it's operating more efficiently, it's generating less heat. There's just so many benefits. So imagine you're going up a hill, and I'm just going to pick a number. Let's say you're going up a hill. It's moderately steep. You're using a good amount of power, and you're going 15 miles an hour. And you're in, like I said, one of those middle gears. And the hill starts getting a little bit steeper. It gets a little more gradual. It's changing as you go up. But let's say you get to a spot where it's just steady. And if you stay in the gear you're in, 
It's going to do 15 miles an hour. It's not going to go faster. It's not going to go slower unless you change gears. Well, if it's not changing at all, then what does that mean? Well, that could mean a couple of things. It could mean that you're in too low of a gear. And if you shift up, you could actually go faster. Uh, It could also mean you're in too high of a gear. You're pushing the bike too hard and it's just struggling to do that 15 miles an hour. There's a couple of possibilities. As you're making this transition to riding up the hill, carefully watch your speed. And if you start going at 15 miles an hour and you see your speed dropping, now it's 14.8, 0.7, 0.6, and your speed is dropping down, then that means maybe you need to go into a lower gear because you don't have enough torque to get up there. So what you can do is shift down. You're going to lose a tiny bit of speed. So maybe your speed drops to 13 and a half miles an hour. And if you shift down and then still it's struggling and now it's slowing even more, 13.4.3. That means you need to shift down again. And if you get to a point where your speed starts climbing back up, you basically want to find that happy medium where it's like, oh, now it's creeping back up. Oh, now we're back up to 14 and a half miles an hour. Oh, can we push a little harder? You can shift up again. Okay, can we go 14.7.8.9, 15 miles an hour? And basically, you can find a happy medium by watching your speedometer. Uh, And that's what I do to maximize the best possible gear ratio for a given hill. Now, there's obviously a lot of variables. There's no one gear that's the right for one specific hill. So I can't like say, oh, on a 10% grade, you're going to be in gear ratio three and pulling this many watts because it depends on obviously a bunch of factors. How much exercise do you want to get? How much weight is there actually on the bike? How fast do you actually want to go? So there's no one right answer other than if you just want to maximize efficiency. And this can be done at any pedal assist level. So if it's at, you know, level five, it makes no difference if you're in level three. Watch your speed and shift down if the bike is slowing down on its own, if it's just not keeping up. Uh, And if the bike accelerates kind of rapidly and then tops out, then you know you might need to shift up. Hopefully that makes sense. I think a video would be a lot better to explain that but I'm hoping you're getting the idea of how you can watch your speedometer to shift through the gears and use that as a means to find the most efficient, most optimum gear to be in for a given grade and how much exercise and pedaling you want to do. I hope that helps. Let's move on to the next one. That's, I think, probably the second simplest, uh, the shift sensor. This is a sensor that detects when you are trying to shift gears, and for just a split second, it cuts power to the motor. It doesn't happen for very long. It's very, very fast. And the idea is this is to make it possible to change gears without getting that big clunk into the next gear. And if the shift sensor is doing its job, you'll never have that happen because it's going to smoothly shift from one gear to the next. Now, there is one qualification that has to be set up correctly for this to work, and that is your shifter in the first place. If your shifter is not working properly, it's not smoothly moving from one gear to the next then it may take a little too long and power may be applied before you shift to the next gear and you still get that big clunk. So make sure your shifter is properly adjusted and working first. (laughs) Otherwise, it's not going to do the shift sensor any good. But if everything's tuned up properly, these things are designed to cut power for basically a, a very specific amount of time, which is supposed to be the amount of time it takes to shift from one gear to the next. And then as soon as it's in that next gear, like as soon as it's in that next gear, then the power is reapplied. And this is something that you don't have to think about. You don't have to press a button, a brake lever. As soon as you shift, 
Most of these sensors are detecting movement in the actual steel cable. The switch detects. So you don't have to do anything special. Like I said, just go ahead and shift through the gears. It's going to detect that steel cable moving, and that switch is going to turn the motor off for just a split second. Uh, if you keep pedaling, you still have your pedaling power going, but the motor's not going to be going. So that's something to think about as well, that you can't be like going up a hill, standing up on the pedals, cranking hard on the gears, shift gears, and hope that the shift sensor is going to do its job, cut the motor out, and your shift is going to be smooth. Because you might be producing enough power to make that gear shift an unpleasant experience. So you want to make sure that not only the motor cuts power, but that you kind of cut your own power back as well to make that transition to the next gear as smooth as possible. And with a torque sensing bike, I think this is a little bit easier because you can let off on your pedaling, kind of back off on the pressure, and that will back the motor power off. You shift gears, that shift sensor kicks in, which if you're using the torque sensing properly, you almost don't even need it if you're doing this right, but it's there just as a safety precaution anyway. You shift the gear and then you start pedaling power back in and then it smoothly ramps that power back on. So that's how you can use the torque sensor. It's basically the same as pedaling a really just a normal bike that's not an an e-bike. Make sure to use that torque sensor if you've got one to slow that power down and back it off for a second, shift through the gears and then ease that power back on. It will make a world of a difference if you pay attention to that. If you've been riding a bicycle for a long time, it might come very naturally and you don't even have to think about it. But if not, you may have to make kind of a conscious effort to do that. And again, like I said, I've been thinking of this as I'm going up steep, long hills because that's where it's most critical to get these right. Now, with a bike with a cadence sensor, it's a little bit trickier because there's kind of this instant on-off. If you stop pedaling, the motor stops. If you start pedaling, it's just full power back on based on whatever pedal assist setting you're on. Now you could move to a lower setting when you shift gears, but that's kind of a little extra button pushing I don't think you really need to do. But I would do kind of the same thing, let off on your pressure, let that shift sensor do its job, and then gradually put the pressure back on the pedals, get it in the next gear. Now I'll tell you, the bike that I brought into the shop today my mid-drive bike I've had for the last few years. When I initially started riding that, I had a 1,000-watt Bafang BBSHD motor on it. This was not optimal in any way. I would never sell a bike like this. But this is how the bike was originally set up. I've since rebuilt it quite a bit. But it was a 1,000-watt BBSHD motor, mechanical disc brakes, which around these long hills is not the greatest idea. They worked, but I was adjusting them like constantly. Every couple of days, I was having to adjust brakes. It was nuts. And then it didn't even have a shift sensor at all. So you might be wondering, well, what did you do then? Because you're trying to shift through the gears and all that power is going to be there every single time. It's probably a nightmare on your drivetrain. Well, it could be. Now, this is the most complicated way to ride a mid-drive bike, so I would never recommend doing this again. But this was by using the brake. That is something you have at your disposal. And if you are using the brake, if you're using the shift sensor, if you're using the torque sensor, if you're using a combination of all of these things together, you're going to have just, like I said, the most smooth, very nice, buttery soft shifts from one gear to the next, 
even with a 1000 watt, 1500 watt peak motor. And so something you can do if you need to is just feather one of the brakes. It doesn't matter which one, but all of these brakes have a cutoff switch for the motor built into them. So if you pull the brake, it's going to cut power to the motor completely, just instantly is going to turn it off. And so on that original bike, what I would do to shift gears is just feather that brake just a hair. It was just enough to cut the motor off without actually pulling on the brakes themselves and slowing myself down. So it's kind of like using it like a clutch on a motorcycle, but you're not squeezing it all the way. You're just squeezing the brake lever just enough to actually activate the brake switch to cut the motor off. Uh, And this is something that I still do today, even on bikes that have all these other sensors. So you don't really need to do that. But sometimes if I just want to make sure that this shift is going to happen and I'm not going to have power when I don't want it, that's like the guaranteed way to get it just right is squeeze the brake lever just a hair. Like I said, not enough to slow yourself down. That guarantees it's going to cut the motor off. I can shift through the gears, let it off. Boom. I know I'm in the right gear. Let off on that brake switch, feed all the power back in instantly. And you can do some pretty quick shifting action that way. I know that this is uh, one of those things that if you don't have a mid-drive bike, it's probably hard to imagine what's going on here. But these are all things that you can test out. And I would recommend being familiar with all of these, how they function. Uh, Go try them out on your own bike if you have a mid-drive. What you can do is, whether you're riding or you're stopped, spin up the throttle, pull the brake, see how far do I need to pull that brake lever for the motor to turn off. Do I need to pull it far enough to actually activate the brakes and slow down the wheel? Is it a little bit less? Usually is. Not very far. Shift through the gears with the bike on its kickstand and see how long does that motor cut off and how long does it take for that power to come back on when you shift through the gears. Uh, Pay attention to that and just get as familiar as you possibly can with your own bike. And finally, like I said, going back to the gearing, try this out. You'll Once you do it once, it's going to click and it's going to be amazing. And your friends who are on mid-drive bikes with the same amount of power, you're going to blow by them up hills every single time. And they're going to be like, wow, your, your bike is just faster. But you could probably switch bikes and you'll still blow by past them on the hills. And again, this isn't about speed. Like I said, this is about efficiency. Uh, this is about getting the most out of your motor. This is about getting the most out of your battery, the most longevity out of your drivetrain. This is about getting the maximum performance you can out of your bike. And like I said, I'm not just talking about speed. This is also all about maintaining your bike at the highest level possible. So the better you can use your bike, the longer it's going to last and the more fun you're going to have. Now, again, I mentioned that this podcast is live and there are people in the chat on YouTube that can ask questions or comment while this episode is being recorded. Uh, And Rich uh, posted in the comments on the chat, he said, Matt Robertson has a good article on that. And I haven't read the article, but I trust that the information in there is good. I've had Matt uh, here on the podcast before. I've talked to him a lot online. Uh, He has a a blog called, I think it's A Tale on Two Wheels. So yeah, if you're looking for more written information, I'm sure that that would be a good article to check out on mid-drives, how they work, and how to properly use them. There's probably some tips that I didn't share or didn't think of for this particular episode. 
Uh, and Cynical Zombie on uh, on YouTube here is saying that what I've learned about this is that it will be easier to get a newbie on a rear hub. I would tend to agree with that. Once again, this wasn't an episode about you know mid drives versus hubs. I really just wanted to drill into mid drives, and here are some simple tips that will help you get the most out of them. But I agree that a hub is usually easier to use, but all those extra little things that I get to, to do and think about to get the most I can out of the motor, those are the advantages that I see and that I like, and that's usually what draws me personally to ride those bikes over a hub motor. Most of the time, there are some exceptions. Sometimes I just want to cruise up and down the street. I'll grab something like the, the Cheetah, which is completely opposite of that, but it's still a ton of fun. Lots of good bikes out there. I was thinking about this yesterday as far as the, you know, mid-drive versus hub. I was like, you know what? This is just like gasoline for cars. Now, hear me out if you're confused right now. Like, what what does e-bikes and mid-drive motors have to do with gasoline and vehicles? Sometimes you have in an industry two different types of products or formats, and one takes over, right? So we had digital cameras that came out that weren't as good as film cameras initially. And eventually, they took over. You have things like the VCR, (laughs) you know, there's all these other uh, types of cassettes and things that were competing and VCR won out. Sometimes the product that wins is the better product. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just mass adoption and there's certain things that make it happen, you know, and then it's phased out by the CD and other things. But I was thinking about this when I went to the gas station. I was like, we have diesel pumps and we have just well, there's different versions of, you know, gas, and obviously it depends on what state you're in. But I feel like you have this standard fuel that most cars use, and then you have diesel that a lot of cars and trucks use. Why have they both stuck around for so long? Wouldn't one win out over the other? And it hasn't happened. Uh, we have the same thing in aviation. You have avgas, and you have the jet fuel. And is one better than the other? Well, in certain applications, it is. And it made me realize, and I've always said that I think both mid-drive motors and hub motors will be around for a long, long time. Like, I just, I can't see one of them disappearing anytime soon. I think they're both going to be around for a long time. And I think that's very possible. Anybody who says otherwise, I think they're going to have to present, to me at least, a very compelling argument as to one, why one motor is going to be totally dominant over the other. But I think it's going to be just diesel and, you know, whatever the 87 octane or whatever gas you're using in your car is going to be. And I think we're going to have both around for many, many years to come. It's just my opinion. If you have a different argument, I'd love to hear it (laughs) because I always want to be ahead of, you know, whatever's happening in the e-bike industry. I've had some thoughts on how to develop a hub motor that might be able to compete with some of the mid drives on the market. You know, it's kind of far out there. Would it work? I don't know, but it'd be interesting to try. But I can think of other ways you could make a mid-drive better that might make it compete with all the hub motors. So I don't know. I, th- I think we're going to have both around for a long time. Uh, Rich says diesel smells. That's funny. <laughs> so uh, that's the good thing about uh, e-bikes is they don't smell. So there you go. There's an advantage to to both of those. But thank you to everybody who's been listening to the podcast. I do appreciate it. Thank you even more to all of those that are listening live on YouTube. I appreciate you guys as well. I hope this information was helpful, either if you have a mid-drive or if you are waiting on one or you're buying one. Just get familiar with your bike. I think that's one of the most important things to take out of this. 
know what all of the components do. And if you do that, you're going to have a better experience overall. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to the Bolton eBikes podcast. If you're not on our newsletter for the podcast emails that go out every week to remind you about new episodes, make sure to do that. Go to ebikepodcast.com. Once again, that is ebikepodcast.com. You can sign up for our newsletter and get basically just a simple email that says, hey, here's what our latest episode is about and where you can go listen to it. And of course, we're on all of the standard podcasting platforms on Android, Apple, and whatever sort of device you might have for listening to podcasts. Now, one other exciting thing I will share with the members before I hop off, uh, but for everyone, once again, that's on the podcast, thank you, and I will talk to you on another Tuesday. Tuesday.